0: hey everyone this is kind of (laughs) weird uh to introduce myself my name is michael baginski uh i'm 23 years old from long island new york and this is not so much uh a new beginning for me but more really uh uh my first steps with recording a podcast. I've been listening to podcasts, as I say, like it's, I have so much good experience in it (laughs) for 10 years now, around there. Uh, First ever podcast I ever listened to was Podcast Beyond at uh, IGN when uh, Greg Miller, Ryan Clements, and one other person that will not be named due to their behavior as of recent, and that aside, um, I just listened to them talk about PlayStation games, you know, you know. I, I, I then went on to other podcasts since then, listened to Giant Bombcast, uh, Beast Cast, Waypoints Podcast, a lot of podcasts like that, but first, we're not talking about those other podcasts, we're talking about this podcast, Bag Atrocious what is back atrocious? Well, first, let me get into more about um, me as a person trying to, uh, you know, start this off. I've been uh, wanting to cover and talk about video games for a really long time, since 2008, when the industry of actually covering games was completely different than where it is now in terms of the type of jobs that are available for people covering games, uh, the types of ways you can talk about games. I have learned so much from uh, just you know following the sites that I like to follow and expanding my horizons on actually on on how to actually talk about video games for a living. Now. I used to try to write about games as okay. Here's the visuals. Here's the gra- here's the audio. Here's this and this. I wrote for a website. I don't remember the name. I don't even remember the person who talked to me about it that made me write specific paragraphs like for for a for, for a game graphics, sound like it was like it was almost a GameSpot uh, review. From long ago, back when reviews were that specific. And I just did not like it. I just felt like, why why would I be writing about games like this in such a limited format? So I stopped doing it for a while. Granted, I never got paid for it. I just stopped writing for them and told them uh, from the best of my memory. And... Then I went and tried to start some blogs. I tried a WordPress blog. Some stuff was maybe still there. Some I maybe deleted. I don't know. I have a Medium blog that I feel like I've been really uh, better utilizing due to uh, how accessible the features are to, like, customize the look of certain pieces. Like, uh, granted, I'm not getting paid for these pieces. It's just stuff for me to... Help me, help me uh, gain some personal experience with talking about this stuff. One I really thought I did an okay job with. I don't. I haven't really received any feedback from people uh, about my writing, but my Alan Wake piece, uh, eight years late, um, that I wrote because I recently, in recent months, played Alan Wake for the first time after getting a PC that can. Actually run it. Uh and just loving my time with it. Just really loving my time with it. Which if you want to check that out, that's at uh, uh medium.com slash at bag man man. Uh hopefully I got the the mans right, but I'll talk about that why I'm correcting myself later. Anyway, uh so there's I have a medium blog, I have uh, actually The link's going later. What I want to do with this channel is I want to talk about video games while at the same time not talk about video games. Now, you may be asking yourself, but you put your category as video games. Why would you put your category as video games but also not talk about video games? Well, person I just made up a voice for in my head because sometimes my brain acts weird. It's because I can't choose multiple categories on Anchor. Uh, even though I am really enjoying my time when using Anchor so far because it's a more accessible way to record this podcast. <sighs> for you motherfuckers. Anyway, sorry for cursing already. That's why I put it explicit. explicit. Um, what I want to do is talk about video games without actually constantly talk about video games. I think about... What the Giant cast does. Think about Waypoint. Think about a lot of podcasts that may seem like video games is the main central point to them. But they still diverge. They still have to talk about other things besides video games. Not like the central focus isn't video games. But they may talk about what has happened in their life recently. Granted, my life is not that exciting currently. Uh, the only exciting things that are happening is me actually taking my time to record some stuff. Uh, But other than that, this will be a solo podcast for right now because I, I have no way of actually knowing if I can get another person to talk with to make this process seem more, you know, to expand on what this podcast can ultimately be. But, uh, this podcast will mostly be me talking about video games, mostly one video game, a podcast, because I'm only one person, uh, and then closing and just, you know, whether I'm in the middle of a game, when I'm just beginning a game, if I have closing, like, final, like, word on what I ultimately feel about a game, I'll discuss it here, uh, for this podcast, I'm going to start with uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, full disclosure, i am been really uncomfortable actually wanting to talk about this game because while I was excited to play this game beforehand, listening uh, and reading the reporting about the labor practices at Rockstar Games, including uh, uh, workers enduring 100-hour crunch, uh, crunch weeks, has made me. I was. I, I, I feel like I can say I feel a little guilty. I, I, no one's making me feel guilty. People are airing their thoughts on Twitter, and no one's. By, and by doing that, they're not making me feel guilty. But I do feel kind of guilty because, like, ultimately, I don't know if my money's actually going to those developers because all that work they could put into, they've stayed. They weren't able to see their families because of that because they worked such extraneous hours because of very uh, horrible work practice at both Rockstar and really a lot of uh, places in video game development. Granted, I can't say that like I'm an expert, because I'm just only a person recording a podcast in the room, hopefully with the utmost silence as my fan still goes off onto the mic from my speakers, excuse me, from the laptop. But, also, I'm on a chair. But I have to address that. Because you can't talk about this game without addressing what developers from Rockstar, both anonymously and non-anonymously, have talked about when it comes to uh, working. So, with Red Dead Redemption 2, right out of the gate, you can see, okay, that this really was developed with a crunch-intensive, like, process because of how... Okay, all right, let me let let's start from the top. Red Dead Redemption 2. Again, not deviating away from the labor practices that have it. It takes place 12, 13 years before the events of the first Red Dead. You were with Dutch Vanderlyn and his gang as you play a character named Arthur Morgan, who are basically uh, slowly realizing that the ways of the West, the the days of the outlaw, are coming to an end. And so they're trying to stay on and survive as much as possible. Some characters you might be familiar with are in this gang, due to this being the the, the gang that uh, John Marston uh, had to hunt. Uh to appease the people who hired him which were the pinkertons in the first game uh there's obviously john marston's there with the same actor which was very surprising to me i did not actually think they would bring him back mostly because there was a great piece at at polygon.com a website about video games that back when the site launched there was this video uh Talking or around when the side launch went talking about to to the man who played him and about how he got the role about his family life and about how that could have been or at the time was his last acting job ever because he wanted to support his family. So when I played this and I heard his voice and I'm thinking, is this is this a sound alike? Did Rock because like Rockstar has in only certain circumstances they've only brought back some of their actors uh, for certain games because here's an example that goes right back into the labor and uh, compensation stuff I've been talking about. One of the there was an article from about nine to ten years ago from the actor who played Nico Bellic who di- did not realize after he recorded uh, his audio and did everything, his performance for uh, GTA 4, that he received no residuals or compensation from that. Uh, that was a very early in- indicator for what would become the, uh, the SAG-AFTRA voice actors protest that happened years and years later, or around, around this time specifically. But... Him, him not returning. I'm thinking, at the time, okay, they would never bring back another one. They're always bringing in new people, maybe c- celebrities for other stuff. For maybe GTA Five, who the hell knows? Then I went to G- then when we went to GTA Five. You know, they bring in actors who are not as well known. The only well-known actor from that game was. Um, I don't remember his name, but he played in a live-action Nickelodeon series that a lot of people liked. Maybe a lot of redheads liked, especially because of their signature red hair in the show. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't grow up with that stuff. I grew up with the later cartoon Nickelodeon stuff. Anyway. But they brought back an actor from the DLC of GTA 4 into GTA 5. Same actor for this character, and then they kill him off. And I'm thinking, okay... So that's sort of uh, a first for bringing back an, an actor for how much short screen time and presence they have in the, in the uh, production. And then here, when I hear John Marson, not only is it his voice, but he's able to, again, it's been a long time since I played Red Dead Redemption. I tried to play on backwards compatible Xbox One because I never played it on that system. And boy, does that run better on a Xbox? Uh, I don't remember exactly how he sounded there, because obviously it would be twelve years later for John Marston. But it, it's it's that actor, and his performance is more honed in. And it's weird; it's really weird to hear his voice again, with with a different uh, coming from someone with a different perspective on just everything in life, because like eight years ago. It was a different. I was in a different place eight years ago than I am today. But anyway, you have John Marston return. You have Javier Esquela, who uh, I mean, it's in the first game, but spoilers. You kill as Marston in Mexico when you get there with that song that plays when you first enter there. That for me personally, I liked at the time. Others may not. Bill Williamson, who. I remember being an annoying shitbag and was in the intro for the first game when you go to that fort. uh, You have Dutch, who is the leader of the Dutch Vanderlyn gang, who, in this, I feel somewhat... uh, I, I empathize more in why he's doing the things he's doing because Red Dead Redemption, it was basically, if I could remember right, Dutch... Dutch felt like the world was converging on him, and the world no longer wanted people like him, but he still wanted to survive, from what I remember. Here, it's kind of showing him and the the gang trying to survive as outlaws, or no longer being a thing of the present and more of the past. And you empathize him trying to make sure, like you seeing him caring for everyone in his gang, even though he's giving them shit. It's it's a really good performance from that actor, and I I know that's the same actor as well. Like I think a lot of those actors, especially surprisingly, seeing Uncle, the character that was at Abigail and Jack Marston's house, is was not only part of the gang as well as Abigail, but is uh. Really, really endearing as well. It's like, I mean, granted, I don't know how that... I think, okay, now I remember. Excuse me. He was a bit more... I'm burping a lot. Excuse me. He was a lot more... I wouldn't say... Looser in terms of what he had things to say. But. he Maybe he felt a little bit more sane. And coherent. In this game. Compared to the first game. Where he was always arguing with John. Or just talking about the old times. With the gang. Uh, but basically. That's the premise of the game. I'm not going to go into further with the story. I am like. 20%, 20% or so into the story. In total with the world, I have completed 42% of the game. And including the story and stuff like that and other side activities. This world is ridiculous. You have so many different types of terrain and people you come across in these terrain and 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 types of uh, period-appropriate vehicles and creatures... And the type of weaponry you get. And all the specific and very clear... Well, I wouldn't say clearly, but very defined and slightly... Slightly... I'm thinking of the word. I can think of the word. Slightly... Okay. It's very, it's, it's not difficult to how to un- comprehend the systems, but there's some, there's, there needs to be, the systems are a bit difficult to know. Okay. Let me start over. The systems are easy what, when you're used to them, but when you first learn about the different types of systems at play, uh, Making sure your weapons are clean, making sure your horse is okay to increase the bond level, and just ultimately making sure your saddle stays with said horse, because if you lose said horse, that horse is dead, and your saddle may or may not be there anymore. Again, that's never happened for me, but that's a thing that could happen. Or the wanted system that has come back, where if you do some crimes while not disguise, whether with a bandana or masks you can buy. There'll be uh, law officials after you. You'll be wanted, and depending on how much you do in a specific area of the map, like the type of crimes you do, the, the violence, uh, depending on the context, there'll be a bounty on you. So I did a, a story mission where I had to, uh, to keep it as vague as possible, I had to rescue... One of my gang uh, one of my fellow gang members from a prison. Uh, very scripted at how it went about. I, I don't I could maybe could have done it a different way, I don't know. Could I use the mechanism my friend told me about to pull the the wall off, or could I use the dynamite he said I should use? Who knows? But I, I used the mechanism just to see what it would look like. So once that's all done, and you'd go through this very... wouldn't say scripted, but very elaborate shootout with uh, the people in this town. You escape to end ultimately end the mission, and you look back on the map, and there's a $300 bounty in that area. There's a, it, there's a whole red zone around this one specific area of the map that if you go to and are not disguised, and you don't avoid law enforcement while you're there... They'll catch you and they'll immediately either they'll stick you up, should be banging my laptop, they'll stick you up and you can surrender that way. Or if the bounty its not even a bounty, if it's wanted dead or alive, then you are just, you're going to be fucked with either way. So when you have stuff like that, then there are systems where you go to a train station and you can pay off bounties in certain counties or whatever, or you could send mail depending on the specific uh, side mission. Or the if you have all the collectibles you can find throughout the world, whether they are premium cards you can get from premium cigarettes that you find throughout the world or just what you smoke because they come in those packs uh, I found a a mission that I haven't been actively exploring. That has this woman tell me, "Hey, if you find me some dinosaur bones, could you could you tell me about it? Could you send me a picture? Whatever she wanted me to do, find me some dinosaur bones." And I'm like, oh okay. Or there could be a, a side mission where not even marked on the map, depending on where you are in the story or depending on what you do, where you could just go to these random homes and if you play along with how... Like, for example, I went to this one farm, and I'll, I'll name it because you know it'll be a while before you discover it, the Aberdeen farm, and this guy is at the front door, and he's... He's talking to me, basically, like, getting a good look at me. He's like, oh, you fancy. Uh, and then his wife comes in and says, hey, we should invite him. And we should invite him. He's like, oh, I don't know. We should. Uh, and I'm even saying, like, should I come in? But almost coyly, he's like, I, I guess I can come in. Uh, you go. I go in. Now, when you go in, immediately, I put my mask on. I shoot them both because I don't know where it would go from there if I stayed. You know, just following them and like letting them speak. To I don't know if there have been more dialogue. There's so much VO recorded in this game for all the little things and the major things and the things between that that you do in this game. That is ridiculous for how much dialogue is recorded in this for. Almost every single thing you do in this game. I never thought this level of detail could be present in a game. But back to the story at hand. I go into the farm. I shoot them off. I And also, I, full disclosure, I was following a guide for this specific house. Because I apparently, in the game, there are seven homesteads that you can go into and rob from. For specific, you know, money and other things that you then, you know, either spend personally or contribute to the gang for the camp to upgrade there. Which, I didn't even mention the fucking camp. But, you go there. I went through the back door because apparently if you don't go for the back door, you won't be able to access the house again. So, I went for the back door to make sure that's open. Go through. Actually, I killed the guy at the table. The wife was upstairs. And she was slowly coming down with her rifle in hand. And I was like, wait, where the hell is this person? Is there another floor in this house? She comes down, tries to shoot me. I shoot her. They're both dead. Go upstairs, looking through more stuff, and then come back down to look for some stuff. But upstairs, there was a closet with a skull in it, meaning, okay, these were some people that were doing some fucked up shit of whatever. I don't know. I don't know if there was some intentions with innuendo in that game or whatever the specific term i'm thinking of but yeah so i go for that go find their lock boxes steal their money clips anything jewelry whatnot that's just one example of like something that wasn't even a main or side mission that came up with an icon that was just here's a random homestead part of these seven homesteads that aren't even in the index. You gotta find them yourself, even if I didn't even use the guide. You find them yourself. That's not even counting, uh, and granted it is sort of side content, but the only way to figure out where to find it is either to use the treasure map that you were given, or stole, where you can actually steal from other treasure hunters in the wilderness, apparently. Either rob them or try to convince them to give you their their, their map. Uh, find weird clues and hidden map pieces for this serial killer that's going around hanging bodies in random locations, which is the weirder thing, and I'm very curious where that's going to lead to in the 40% of the game I've played so far. Which I, I'm saying by percentage because I can't tally how many hours I've played this game since it launched on Friday. But it's been a lot of hours. I'll just say that. Maybe more than 30 or 40, possibly 50. Who the hell knows? Anyway, not just with that, but also when you go into towns and you're just talking to people, the dialogue system that is more than just passing by and them saying a thing and you doing nothing. You can greet them. You can antagonize them. And antagonize can be like saying like very, very lowly insults to just starting a fight with them out of nowhere, all because you called them a word that would only be insulting to them and not to anyone in real life. It's... And then... In that town, talk to people where you can get hints about, oh, there's a shady business happening in this place that you may have bought stuff from before. For example, in the town uh, where you first is the ma- first major town in the game, Valentine. When you go to this town, you go around, you, you know, there's a doctor, there's a general store, there's a gunsmith, there's a hotel, there's a saloon, there's a lot of stuff like that out there. When you go and 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 help someone that may come up in the town. They'll give you a hint. They'll give you a tip. It's like, hey, listen, there's some shady shit happening at the doctor's office. Maybe you should check it out sometime. Just look around. And so, I I think, shady shit, what are they talking about? Look around. Just explore the town more. I find this door, this big metal door behind the doctor's office that has a, a hatch uh, slide, whatever it's called, for when you... You know that one scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit where that guy opens when where Bob Hoskins' character uh, knocks in the club door and, uh, unfortunately, and and an ape in a suit uh, opens the slide thing to only show his eyes through the door? It was basically that kind of door. And guy opens it, says, this is private property, whatever, then closes it then all of a sudden, I get a thing on my mini-map, which, by the way, you can turn off, you can expand, you can keep it at its regular size, or you can just turn it into a compass. Sometimes I turn it off because it's actually cool how much space is remaining on the screen when that big mini-map is gone. Anyway. Now all of a sudden, the doctor's office indicator is blinking. So, I go in there. I make sure no one's outside, make sure no, the door is closed. I then press uh, hold L2, R2 to rob, and then aim my weapon. And then now there's two options. There is rob the cashier or uh, take, take him to the back, get taken to the back. And I order him, you know, Arthur Morgan orders him to take him to the back, to open the door, to talk to them. He leads me there. All of them are there. I have a shootout with everyone because they're counting money from what they uh, accrued. And then, all of a sudden, the law hears me, obviously. And then Arthur says, oh, I didn't think this through because there's no way to get out through that door. Because that door is locked, barred up with wood, and you can't get out through the door that you originally tried to go through outside. So, I'm trying to get as much stuff as possible before the uh, the officials come. Uh, I get outside, law enforcement everywhere is trying to shoot at me, and I get on my horse and I just book it. I just book it out of there. And I make sure to get to a point where I'm, you know, the wanted's down. I try to disguise myself as much as possible. Apparently, if you shave your hair and change your hairstyle or change your outfits... That could affect, you know, people knowing who you are, which, by the way, there's even a system where, depending on the environment you're in, because there's also temperature in certain environments. Like, for example, if you're in the tundra, in the winter tundra, I hope I'm using that term right. If you're in the winter area, very snowy mountains, you better have yourself a a coat and some gloves. You're going to freeze to death. It's going to affect your health, probably your stamina, or, well, not your dead eye, mostly your health. Even with that, anything can affect your whereabouts. So I get out of there, and then there's a bounty. It's a a small bounty, thankfully. It's like $60 compared to how it was when I did a main mission in another town. And the one thing that kind of breaks the immersion for me, even though I don't personally like the word immersion, is the wanted system it just it just seems too easy and granted you have to f- for the player's sake or it's not going to be fun to just go to a train station and just all right i'll just pay this much granted if you have no money and you're trying to get some more that may make it slightly more difficult but that's my major that's just my main problem with the wanted system in general cuz you know i want to do outlaw things since i'm playing an outlaw. I'm not in the case when John Marston in the first game where he's trying to... He's he's an outlaw, but he's moving away from that life because of the situation he was in or is trying... Who he's currently in. So... Again, that's just my main criticism with that. I could go even further with the amount of systems between... Hunting and how elaborate the like just the the work the amount of animation That you do in the smallest things when you search for items and when you go hunt From oh well this animal you shot with an arrow Is still twitching on the ground you have to kill it so you slowly, you know hold square Excuse me you hold square And all of a sudden you are slowly putting the knife into this animal and then they die in a very, I'd say painful and really uncomfortable way. And then you can just skin them, skin them. And the animation for skinning is so elaborate. It's literally like I am literally putting this knife into this animal and taking it whole. And depending on the size of the animal, it go right in your satchel which don't even get me started on the amount of shit you can hold in your satchel to holding it on your shoulder. Cause it's so big you can't fit it in there that you have to put it on your horse, which that could affect the weight and uh, of your horse, which then affects the stamina. Then there's also, you can carry the whole animal you just skinned because, because you know, you got to get food for the camp or you got to sell some food to a butcher and stuff like this. Not even counting with the systems that you have to maintain with the health. There's the regular health bar that you can upgrade by doing activities that might be familiar to people who've played uh, GTA V or whatever, where constantly sprinting, constantly doing specific activities. In this game, especially for health, you would uh, uh, go fishing, you know, just you can get in 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 the world and in certain environments you can find these bottles which just either help you increase the type of xp that you get when trying to update upgrade your health uh and there's no s- menus for that or you can just do ex- activities extraneous activities and just help people stuff like there's so much stuff to do I sh- I, i'm not trying to make it sound like Oh man, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's this great thing. It's just there's so much, but yet somehow compared to other games, such as Assassin's Creed Odyssey, hell, even Assassin's Creed Origin, even most Ubisoft open world games, because of how everything is presented to the player, I don't feel overwhelmed. I only want to do more. In the case with Orit, and to quickly make a quick aside, with the case of Origins, I only wanted to do more because I loved Bayek as a character. And I didn't feel like it was a checklist. I was feel like I was doing what the character was described as, as being a Medjai, a helper. Compared to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where everything felt like just one big long chore. And I played that game for 77 hours. I think it was 77 or 70. I don't remember. Uh, not and I did it because I wanted to see what happens in the game. And granted, there's some really wild stuff that happens that I can talk another time about. But right now, we go back to Red Dead. So when I see all these systems, the animations, the visuals, the the the, the mecha- both mechanical and 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 superficial systems at play. I hope I'm using the word superficial, right? I know I say that a lot. I can tell that man a lot of overtime intensive disgusting crunch work went into this and I that's when the guilt sits in where is enjoying this taking away from all the fam from all the people who couldn't be near their families when trying to make sure this game went to gold? Because uh, back in fall of twenty seventeen, this game was originally supposed to launch in the spring of this year, then got delayed for to fix the qu- you know polishing and whatnot. But how do I know that's not that was not more just. Crunch that took place for for these people to make this game go gold Like what were they doing before that they had to delay to the fall? That they couldn't still release in spring because grant because I will I will give this game credit because it in some ways It is incredible how this game exists in the form it is because I've barely had the game ever crash on me and I've barely had the game even uh, skip frames and have the frame rate hitch or anything. It really does run amazingly, and I, I should say I I played this on a PS Four Pro on a LG Four K OLED television. You know, I don't know how it looks in ten eighty. Probably like a game that runs in ten eighty, but that game can look an, uh, incredible on on a. 4K OLED display, which also the HDR plays a uh, a point in that as well. But I can't, I, ca- I can't deviate from those issues of labor because it it makes me think it's it's it makes me ask a question that maybe I should know or someone uh, wiser and smarter than me when would tell me not to think, but am I doing a disservice to the uh, recent union efforts uh, such as Game Workers United, which you can find at uh, their Twitter, Game Workers United, I believe is their full Twitter name, uh, the efforts they're doing and others like them in terms of disputing bad labor practices in the video game industry, just labor issues across like the comic books industry especially. There's such an incredible movement happening there. Am I insulting these people if I play a game that not only had this much discussion around it, but has now recently been reported about how both Dan and Sam Houser, the major figureheads, notable and don't say in a positive or negative but notable figureheads of this developer at Rockstar Games received 530 million dollars in royalties to them to them and other higher executives and possibly investors that's the part that gets me guilty because i don't know how compensation works for developers in a, in in places like Rockstar in places hell you know, talk about with Telltale Games. Did any of that money actually go to those people that I've played with after the first season of Walking Dead, where they really took off? When I bought Batman, uh, Enemy Within, and the previous season, Tales from the Borderlands, when I liked that game before, I can never go back to that game because Chris Hardwick was in it. But that's another story or The Wolf Among Us, which had an announced sequel, but then no longer is the case because Telltale is gone because they ran out of money. (laughs) With stuff like that, am I doing a disservice to these people by playing this game and adding to the media, positive media circus? And I shouldn't say circus, That's, that's mean, but the positive media wave. That's happening from outlets that cover, that have either focused squarely on the labor issues that have happened at Rockstar, or have talked about it either on a podcast or made a news article about it, and then talked about the game like that never happened. Like, am I adding to that? And granted, I'm not a major site, I'm just one person, but I'm really having a good time at Red Dead Redemption 2. Like I'm really enjoying it, and I also can say that because I'm a I'm a privileged white dude, and of course I'm playing another fucking white dude. I, I wish I could play as any other fucking cow person. Like when reading articles about, uh, and granted, I'll I'll vaguely discuss what happens, but artic- there has been articles about like a oh, be- better representation of how there were a lot of black cowboys. Uh, during this time, which I don't remember the exact year this takes place. I think this is 1890, 1870. This is way before the 1900s, which I think red, the first Red Dead took place, the, like the early, early 1900s. But the stuff that happens there, like, compared to a lot of writing with Rockstar Games, I feel like this ultimately is the most enjoyable and also more more comprehensible writing for characters in a Rockstar game I've seen in a long time. Th- there's not an inch of cynicism in these characters and like the motivations for what they're doing. Like there's unfortunately some stereotypes here or there. Like here's our Irish gang member and he's always loving being drunk, or and sometimes it isn't. Where all of a sudden this Reverend that's part of your gang. Just mucking about, drunk and just singing. Which again, I don't even I didn't even mention how there's so much interaction, small interactions in the camp, where you can just eat with people and just have discussions, depending on how much you know you can chat with them in certain parts of the story, to just doing small chores to you know help the mood around the camp, stuff like that. But back to uh, like, for example back to the one one character in particular uh part of your gang he isn't his name is lenny and he's like the only black cowboy on the uh, on the in the Dutch Vanderland gang with one other person uh, I, I believe in being of uh native descent I don't know exactly his tribe and I don't know if it's exactly outlined in this game what his tribe is but I'll discuss those issues as well because again I, I don't want to put them towards the back but that's another thing I have to talk about with this game. But Lenny, you know, you get a really good introduction with this character. There's a lot of good dialogue between him and Arthur as Arthur's a character. This is especially a great mission with them both, where it doesn't even have to do anything with like them, them surviving in the world. It's just like, hey, we're going to go to this saloon and have a drink. And where it goes from there... I'll just say, Rockstar has a lot in the past, done in the past. You know, missions involving you taking certain substances, and the vision, and and the and your field of vision when you're then interacting with that character again can be uh, either really distorted or blurry. And any and some things happen specific, like for example, in uh, GTA Vice City, um, you go to this woman who I believe is played let me just check madam i think her name yes this woman who's basically just doing another character that's besides her madam cleo character or maybe her just name is madam cleo but like you go to her in this in the part of the town where the voodoo gang is i think she spits some or throws some dust at you again and these are some really racist shit in that game that does not hold up well at all oh i can only record to an hour all right well i better speed this up okay so she throws at you and then your vision is obscured and then gang members are starting to attack you and you have to survive you know you can clearly cannot see anyway in this game and for even with the gta4 when you go uh drinking either in a mission or not a mission and how you look. Either your movement is weird or and sometimes you would fall a lot. Or how in GTA 5 your movement isn't really weird, but you're slurring your words if you're with a friend, and the vision and, and and this camera is being wobbly. Here, I haven't over I haven't drinking to the max outside of a mission, but in this game there is a mission that is oh god. I gotta stop recording for a minute. Okay. So, hopefully I edit this part out where my phone's ringing with uh, a ringtone that I personally chose for it. But okay, back to where I was talking about. If I can remember where I was. Okay, yes. The mission with Lenny where you go to the saloon. Out of all the types of missions where you either drink alcohol or drink, drink alcohol. Drink alcohol or take any drugs in a specific context in the in the Rockstar games, DTA, hell, even the first Red Dead Redemption. I, this is my favorite type of those missions because of what happens and how the and how the cutscenes play out and how just the whole the whole general vibe of that mission is so funny it is so ridiculous and not in a saints row kind of ridiculous but more of a I, this situation seems like seems very realistic somewhat and it's funny it's really funny but like to go specifically back to Lenny, as one of the only few black cowboys in the game, you, you get a little bit more insight into his life, where he was owned as a slave, and how, what happened to his family and everything. Uh, and just him discussing issues related to being when he was a slave... Uh, and talking with the other uh, members of the gang, and there were points where I tried to look at what the game. Because again, the main the main writers on this game, I I can I feel like I can safely say none of them are people of color. None of them are black. None of them are Asian. Uh, none of them they're mostly white. Uh, apparently, also. I, I, I always misunderstand what the fuck the dude who's basically Laszlo in real life and has been across the GTA games does at Rockstar, but apparently he was also a writer on this game besides one of the houses, I think. Anyway, I tried to look at the dialogue there to see if it was coming from a good place or it was coming from a place where it's trying to tackle this issue or uh, of this time in a very uh, appropriate way. Without denigrating why that issue was an issue, so because there are sometimes you, you you might see Lenny discussing, and even out there in the world, there are other people, especially other black characters, who talk in a way that may or may not be appropriate of that time. That sometimes talk about how they rather wish. They just stayed a slave, then get their freedom because they know their freedom might mean their death sooner. And I'm trying to and I'm trying to know if is it my personal way of thinking that I don't feel comfortable hearing that dialogue in this game? Or am I coming this from someone who thinks I am supposed to be uncomfortable with them saying this, but I don't know if this is and this could be where I'm being slightly paranoid and maybe slightly uh, moronic are the developers trying to put to the player that these specific characters really wish they stayed slaves rather than free and really my my, my ultimate thought on that is I think they're just saying that because they always have to keep uh, keep Jesus Christ I'm getting notifications they gotta keep their uh, their head out there, because you know there's there's during this time and and this was mentioned in an article on IGN I believe th- that the women's suffrage movement is happening during this. There's there's a lot of uh, significant stuff happening uh, in this game. So I'm coming from this saying, thinking this character, and again I'm. I'm you know, you could not take what I'm saying. You can take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because I could be just making shit off my ass. But this is just my personal thoughts with this character. And I say this as a, as a white person. I think they are saying this because they don't feel safe even if they're free right now. But that doesn't mean... I, I think they're just saying it just to say it. Not really mean it. Like, of course, they're happy they're free. But he's just saying it... Because, besides, well, also he's an outlaw. So in his case, he has even more worries to be had. But I think he's just saying that just because he's he's just letting stress go. He doesn't actually want to stay a slave. Of course not. No one wanted to be a slave in that time or any time. So, with Lenny, I really like that character and I'm so afraid of where that character goes next because I hope I don't know what happened like, again, this is a prequel a lot of these people don't survive and stay alive in Red Dead Redemption hell, the people who stay alive and are in a Red Dead Redemption are killed by your hand. I don't know what happens to the rest of these characters like Lenny like characters like the preacher or the priest, whatever I don't know what happens to them next. Again, I'm still early in the story. And I could be... I'm, oh, it's, anything can happen from here. But so far, I really like Lenny as a character. But I'm just so afraid for what happens next. So. With that said, I have to discuss also... And I, and I say I have to discuss... Uh, how between how it's been foreshadowed and from what I'm hearing here or there from other people. And this is my personal thoughts and I'm not going to put how I feel. I'm not going to take what others think and put into my opinion about, uh, the showcase of indigenous tribes and, uh, of people in this game. The jo- the Western, the West John, the Western genre has never been great in terms of being a, positive representation for people of different ethnicities uh, in the United States. It's always been, and this game is that too, in a lot of ways, of strong, masculine, uh, white cowboy protecting others uh, from evil, possibly dark-skinned enemies, because unfortunately that's, have been... Not even unfortunately, because that's always been the genre, and in some ways, that's that's how it's always been. So, or if you're, or if the character of an outlaw is either a, a mustache twirling, just any character that is very stereotyped, heavily stereotyped to convey to the viewer, the player, or whatever that oh, this is the bad guy. Don't, don't, don't uh, trust him or them. Or in the case of the constant amount of Western media where, oh, the good heroic cowboys defend the town from the savages, the savages, a term that's used a lot, and the term that's used a lot in this game in ways that you make, that make you not like certain characters because of the way they use it. Anyway. I have limited time due to uh, anchors' requirements. So, so far, I have not interacted with any tribes of in that are of certain moniker. Like, there's no Cherokee. There's no Montauk. I think Mont. I think I'm saying that correctly. Please, if you want to correct me, do it appropriately at Twitter.com slash bagmanman. If you're not going to come at me appropriately... If you're not going to come at me appropriately, do not at me. Please. But there's no specific moniker of tribe I've seen just yet. Again, I am very early in the story, so I do not know what happens from here. But I will say... I... I am hopeful that what they do in this game in terms of trying to represent a group of people that feel outcasted and deprived from what the white man has taken from them in the context of this game uh, does not go into white savior trope. But again, you play as a white man, so anything is possible. With that said, ultimately, with this game, I'm not finished yet. It's going to be a while till I finish this game. But what... I am enjoying my time with it so far. And I really like it. And I don't want to feel guilty that I like it. Because again, with, with the issues I, I, I spoke on with the labor and just in a general thing for the video game industry. I do not want, I can wait longer for a game from a developer that does not crunch and make their uh, uh, workers work over 100 hour weeks. I am more than fine, I'm more than fine with waiting two years, three years. I have patience. I'm an impatient person, but I can be patient with certain things and work on my patience. And with games, I have, I'm have, okay being patient, absolutely. I also want workers to be better compensated. And I want workers in the video game industry and other industries like it, especially the comic book industry, to be unionized because workers deserve rights and... I shouldn't feel guilty about I know this is what I'll say I'll close off with I should not feel guilty about playing certain video games because the possibility of the workers being taken advantage of is highly likely I want to be able to play a game and still be happy that I'm compensating the people who worked at this uh, place now that's that's a fantasy of mine right now that could be a reality Right now, it's a fantasy. Because, depending on the size of the team, anything could happen. But, that's where I'm at. So, I say with Red Dead Redemption 2, I might do a second episode putting my closing thoughts on... my Not even my closing thoughts, my final word on the game. Because so far, I'm really enjoying it. And I think it's one of the most... I think this is the game that Rockstar has always wanted to make, and I think they accomplished it, trying to make that detailed world where everything does feel alive. And the quote-unquote magic that is hidden behind the scenes actually makes me think the people I'm interacting with are real and aren't just robotic in a almost, and this is funny to say, Westworld-like simulation coming from someone who only watched the first three episodes of Westworld and thinking... Look, I like Evan Rachel Wood, but I don't think I'm going to watch more of this. So, with that said, this has been the first episode of Bagatrosis. If I could say the word, bag atrocious exclamation point. If you want to see more like this, which again, I'm going to do a second episode because I had a lot of fun recording this. If you'd like to see more of Bagatrosis, I created this, uh, account that I, uh, connected with, uh, Anchor to allow me to get paid for the listens I have for this. Now, you do not have to give me money if you do not want to, but if you do, I really appreciate it, and if you don't, that's okay. You are not obligated to pay me. This is just a side thing. I, I, I'm trying something new for the first time, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So, uh, where you can find me. You can find me at twitter.com slash bagmanman. Uh, you can find me at my Medium blog at medium.com slash at bagmanman. Uh, you can find me at YouTube. And granted, I might just put out a link because I don't, I can't make a custom link due to where I am with subscribers. I don't have that many at all. Try youtube.com slash 123 genmic If that doesn't work, I'll put a link to my channel somewhere, or a link to a video in my Twitter. Who the hell knows? Those are my links. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really excited to to do more with this podcast. Stay safe. Stay curious. And stay lovely. I'm out.